welcome to the Coaching Uncovered podcast. My name is Brent Davis and this is my podcast where coaches come to talk about coaching and I am going down the Australian path again and this is a path that I'm keen to take. I'm keen to get some recent graduates on the podcast to talk about their success and how they're going about it. So we have Ryan and we're going to have this argument about how to pronounce your last name but I've always pronounced it okay. And I Correct. think that was right, but Correct. people are telling me that that, that was wrong. So <laughs> it's it's a I am correct. Yeah, you are correct. It's it's basically okay with an M in front of it. Okay, so, so I'm fine there. So we'll, I think we'll stick to just your first name throughout the the <laughs> podcast today. Um, but before we find out a bit about you, I've got to ask you the pertinent question, the most important question that everyone's going to be asking me about and asking about you. The indoor cricket grand final premiership last night. Yes, tell me about that. Yeah, no, it was pretty good. We were um, we're a bunch of young golfers that um, we just you know have a little bit of a muck around on a Monday night, and um, I actually heard from from some of the indoor centre that not a lot of teams like us, and I think I think it's just um, <laughs> because we're semi fit kind of guys, and the rest are the other way um, who enjoy a, enjoy beer and. Um, probably too many beers before the game so uh it was a tight it was a tight match actually it was um yeah the two best teams and we were three runs ahead with one ball remaining so and we um i was in last batting pair and we were on the we we're on last ball actually so for those who know indoor cricket last ball uh, or sorry third ball so third ball you've, you've got to run unless um a wide is bowled and then you can you know you, you don't have to run so I just made it a, a thing to uh, batting partner was batting and I, I just sprinted and uh, thankfully I got there in the end because it was um, you know, just a, a block that went to, straight to the fielder and I just made it. So that was, it was a good feeling. So, um, but yeah, it was a, um, it was a good match. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's cool. I said I was. Um, we've been we've been trying to schedule this chat for a while, and I got pushed out of uh, a couple of nights ago because you were playing that grand final. Then I saw the premiership trophy in the Instagram story, so um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it was it was good. Okay, little, so that's little cup. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So that's all gone now. Let's get into the serious stuff. For those that don't know you, can you tell us a bit about yourself, Ryan? Yeah, so um, originally from New Zealand. Uh, yeah, my sporting background was was rugby league at first. Um, played rugby league ever since I was a five or six year old. Um, yeah, m- made top teams over in New Zealand uh, under sixteens, and then basically came over to Australia um, to try my luck over here. And it was quite a quite um, quite an eye opener when I came over here. I guess it would be the equivalent of a of, of a golfer going over to the states. So yeah, I've got some good mates um, that played NRL, still playing it. Um, I, you know, I was coming up with with the likes of Corey Norman, um, Ben Murdoch Masala, who was a teammate of mine. So you know, p- played that. And and to be fair, I think now that I look back from a coaching perspective, I think yeah, early specialization played a part in that because at um, at age eighteen, I just I didn't get on the on the on the bus over to rep training. Uh, the boys said, "You know, what, what are you doing?" And I just said, "I'm I'm not coming." And um, that they you know kind of laughed and and said, "Come on, hurry up and get on the bus." And I just didn't go. Um, I didn't go to rep training, and I kind of caught it quit. So um, I, I don't really know what happened. To be fair, I just think I just stopped enjoying it. 
Um, but golf was always in the background. So, you know, when I was a, when I was a kid, I would, I would always have a plastic club in the backyard when your know, granddad was mowing the lawns or something like that. Um, so I always played as a kid, you know, every Friday after school, I'd, I'd go down to the local nine hole course and New Zealand, if it's raining, we go to the range. And, and if it was, if it was, um, if it was good weather, we'd go and play the, play the course. So, um, yeah, no, no real coaching as a young kid. I, I kind of got into golf seriously at about the age of 16, 16, 17. Um, and then, yeah, I think once I got my car license, it was, um, like I said, off the team bus and over to the golf course. So, yeah. And shifted across to Australia. And then how long prior to starting your traineeship was that? So when I finished school, I, I had a bit of a gap year. I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, and I met, I, I, I don't know how I met him, but I, messed, I, I met Josh Madden, um, who was in Brisbane or Gold Coast at the time, at least Queensland. And um, I think I had a chat to him about you know the future in golf and, and he recommended the IGI to me. And um, so I did a year of the IGI after my little gap year. And... You know, I look back on that now and, and I think to myself, was it worth it? Was it not worth it? But at the end of the day, I think if I didn't do that, I wouldn't I wouldn't have met the connections I've I'd met. So I, I kind of, you know, I, th- I think that was obviously a good a good road to go down. And then following that, um, yeah, it was it was traineeship. So I, I kind of as as everyone does, um, you know, listening to all podcasts that I listen to, everyone wants to play at the start. Um but I was very quick to kind of say, no, that wasn't that wasn't for me. So um, I thankfully didn't waste ten to fifteen years trying to play, lose all my money, and then realise I can't play. Yeah, I think that that sounds like my own story. It was I think it was twelve months or so out there, and realised pretty quickly that I was not in that league of those guys out there trying to play for a living. It's um, it's a, it's certainly a tough path to take going down that that pure pure playing role. There's some there's some awful good players out there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't get in the traineeship uh, for my first year. I, I tried and I played horrendously, and um, yeah, I got, I got, I got the, that call that you know, sorry, we can't accept you this year. And um, I just, I don't, I, I don't, can't really remember how I took it. I think I just kept trying. I just kept, um, I just kept trying to improve my game and, and at least get the playing standard good enough. And then the following year, I, I, I played all right and, and got through, and and here we are. So yeah. So you said that you didn't have too much coaching early on in your golfing career. Who were your coaches when you're going through your traineeship? Who was helping you improve those golf scores so you could get through the program? Uh, I guess uh, my my first ever golf coach over in New Zealand. Uh, when I did get coaching, it was it was literally just I think it was like in a newspaper. Um, uh, it was basically the Auckland Academy of Golf. Um, and I joined up on that and a guy the name uh, Stuart Thompson over in New Zealand who's a very, very good friend of mine who's, who I still talk to and go play golf with every time I, I go back home. Um, he was my first kind of golf coach and, and mentor, let's call him. So, you know, I, I spoke to him the other day on the phone and we have weekly chats and uh, so that's good. So he, he kind of, he was my first ever, uh, let's just say, golf coach. And then my next one would have been uh, the late Don Farden. Uh, when I was in the IGI, I, I was with Don Farden and at the time Kevin Healy and, and Peter Cote were down there at Lynx Hope Island. Um, and D- Don was really good. I, I really enjoyed Don and um, 
yeah, following that, oh, I guess uh, the member at oh, sorry, I was a trainee at Pacific. I got a few sessions from Mark Victorson and, and John Victorson down there. Obviously, as a trainee, you kind of get some help from the boys down there, and and then I think my my second year, I went to Lee Eagleton, who kind of really got me out of a playing hole. To be fair, my first year was was I kind of barely passed my playing, um, and Lee Lee kind of made some good changes for me, and um, I think he's still at the Brisbane Golf Club. So um, yeah, ma- definitely made my second um, my second year a lot more easier to play, and then from there, uh, Richard Woodhouse was a big was a big help to me as well. So in my th- I think I was about halfway through year three or even even year three. I, I you know, was good mates with Rick Coleman in the trainee system. And at that time, Richard was just just uh, kind of making his start and or at least get, getting a name for himself over here. And I think all the boys were flocking to him down there down there at KDV and, and I was one of them. So he helped me with my game a lot. He helped me learn a lot. Um, so I, 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 yeah, I, that, that's pretty much my coaches to be fair. And um yeah hasn't been too many no that's cool wet no that's cool it's um it's always good to hear those those coaches you've had early in your career and how they've influenced you as a coach now but um we've had Richard on the podcast last year and he was um great he's still the highest downloaded show so far so if you're brand new to the podcast go and check out his episode from last year he was great to have a chat to and he's great with his time he's um he's always keen to share his coaching secrets which is which is great because he's certainly a, a very 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 good coach so what made you make that step towards coaching as opposed to going down the club pro role obviously you you try playing quickly and then you uh, didn't succeed there you've gone down the coaching path what attracted you to that coaching path it's funny you asked that so so there was a there was a, a 36 hole event at, uh, as a trainee at Indrapilly. And I remember the week <clears throat> really well. I practiced really well that week. I, I hit the ball fantastic on the range. And um, I turned up to the event, 36 holes at Indrapilly, and I think I shot 91-92. And um, I, I was kind of – I remember talking to – I think it was my grandparents. I was on, I was on, on the phone in the car park, and I just said, I, I – I actually, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know. I had the best week of practice um, and I, I really don't know what, what happened. And it was kind of that moment on where I kind of said to myself, right, I've, I want to find out, like, why is the week being so good practicing? And then when I get out on the golf course, why is it, why is it so bad? And from that moment on, that's, that's when I took, took the coaching, you know, route and kind of decided to to figure out what the hell was going on. So, um, yeah, that's, if it wasn't going to be playing, it was definitely going to be something outside. I'm, I'm not an indoor guy. Um, even at school, I got kicked out of classrooms. I just, I wasn't focused at any, anything to do with sport. I was really good at. So if it wasn't going to be the playing footy, um, if it wasn't going to be playing professional golf, it was definitely going to be, um, in my opinion, the next best thing, which is, which is coaching. So, I'm still outside, and I'm I'm helping others with their game. It's um it's a pretty common story. You I, I I hear that on podcasts all the time. Coaches say that they were searching for answers in their own game and couldn't find them, so that kind of put them down that 
down that coaching path. So it sounds like that was where you kind of went. You um you were trying to find answers for your own game, couldn't find them that, to your own satisfaction, and thought, well, I'll get out there and do it um, personally and find that information, which is which is really cool, really cool. Yeah, hundred percent. Which which kind of leads to the fact that. You've got about four thousand certifications, which is <laughs> which is great. Um, I'm a big uh, fan of continuing education. Um, I enjoy going down that path personally and picking up different things. But um, you've just got to take a quick glance at your site to see all the certifications that you've gone and done. Um, what attracts you to doing that that extra training? Um, I think. I think first things first, it's not about the certifications. It's not about the certificates on the wall. It's it's more for me, um, I'm a bit of a perfectionist with whatever I do. So if I'm going to do something, I don't do it half-assed. So um, I think for me, it was about, you know, from that day on, it was, okay, what's going on? What, why didn't I perform after having one of the best weeks of practice? And it was, it was a search of who can I learn off and – you know, some things will I'll agree with, and some things I won't. But I'll use what I what I'll agree with. So I guess you know part of the certification process, or, or the, with the certifications I've done, you know, they mean nothing at the end of the day in regards to, um, you know, just having them doesn't mean you're going to be successful. It doesn't mean anything. But what you do with that knowledge that you've attained is is you know the key thing there. So I just use as much of those certifications as I can to, to know that, Hey, I've, I've done TPI and I like TPI. Uh, yeah. But I, I also don't like this part of it. Yeah. So I'm not going to use that part, but I really like this part. And basically with, with whatever learning I've done in the past and what I'll continue to do in the future is exactly that. It's going to be, yeah, I might only use 10% of something, but at least for me, I, I would much rather, do that certification or do that course. You don't even have to call them certifications, but I just want as much knowledge as I can in my head so that if someone comes to me, I don't have the answer of, I don't actually know what to do with you. So I don't want to look stupid on the, on the lesson T and I definitely don't want to give the incorrect um, information to someone in front of me who's trusting me with their, with their time and money. So that's been my goal is to learn as much as I can from as many people as I can and use it where where applicable. That's um that's a really cool answer. There's a couple of things that I'm keen to explore through that answer. So um you said that you pull parts out of different trainings that you've done. Is that critical thinking a skill that you've always had or is it something that you've that you've developed over time? I think it's a, it's a good question, but I think you know, early on in your coaching career, and I'm only five years in. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a baby in this industry. I got, you know, there's there's guys twenty years more experienced than me, and and yeah, more experienced than me. But I think early on, you've just got to be the biggest sponge you can be. Um, you've got to take everything in. You don't, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, it, you know, when I started, and and definitely it's still the same now. So at the end of the day, you know, you start with nothing, and you you acquire what you you know what you acquire and then over time you start to have these belief systems on what you think a goal sling should look like how you think a pitching action should look like um and from there you start to you know keep things in your head and you start to chuck things out so uh, and i think you know nowadays with with technology with all the 
all the coaches and and the PhDs that are studying all the big things in golf, the biomechanics side of things, we're we're now getting a very good understanding of what is um, you know what is correct and what is kind of not, you know. So we can start to actually see some some tendencies and yeah you know, we've got some truths a little bit more in the industry now as opposed to just trying things and then hoping they work yeah which is cool so how do you determine after doing a training which parts you apply do you tend to take it all out first and and give give it a test drive or do you have a bit of an idea after doing the training which parts are going to work for your own coaching what i've found that the stuff that work is what i've heard multiple times before um so you start to you start to you know you do a course on you know wedge play for example and you know, you, you start to learn for example that that low low flighted spinny wedge shot and the more and more you hear um different coaches talking about that golf shot the more and more you hear the same um the same information so you start to say to yourself well that's that's obviously a, a must do in order to hit that shot and that's when you can start to say, okay, this is this is science, this is research, this has been proven. Um, so there's no if, buts, or maybes about it. This is how you hit that golf shot. These are the requirements to hit that golf shot. Um, yeah, obviously, from a from a coach, if you're just starting, you don't know that yet. So you've you've got to keep doing courses. You've got to keep learning. You've got to keep watching coaches to to figure that out. Um, for the stuff that I might throw away. Definitely give them a try first. Definitely go on the range. Definitely try and go out on the golf course and implement. Um, obviously, you know, depending on the coach, um, try it with your students. Um, and you know, some things you just you just say, no, nah, I'm not going to do that, or I don't believe in that, and so I won't do it. But um, that's that's a choice. So yeah, no, that's that's cool. So how do you bring? All that education that you got, all that that um, that all that stuff floating around in your head. How do you bring that onto the coaching team with your clients? How do you determine what to use when with your students? I guess you know, on the lesson to you see you see the same patterns over and over and over again. You know, I think I think um, you know, obviously everyone's individual, but but patterns are always the same. So. You know, if someone's struggling with a slice, for example, they're m- most likely not going to have much rotation. Um, you know, they're not going to have much depth in the arms, in the body. Um, and you slowly start to see, okay, this player needs to have, you know, more rotation, um, more depth, uh, a club face. Obviously, club face and path is, is hugely important. But you start to see the, the common tendencies of, of a slicer. Um and you start to use similar drills um, for a lot of players. Obviously, each each individual's got their own physical limitations and all that kind of stuff. But you start to see certain trends the more and more you coach. Um, whereas, once again, when you start coaching, you you don't see those trends. So um, it's just it's just time and doing it over and over and over again, and and seeing seeing a lot of people and coaching a lot of people to to finally get that information that's in your head out on the coaching tee. Um, yeah, for me, I don't think you know, I, all the information that I've got or however much information I've got in my head, I think 2% comes out on the lesson tee. 
um, perhaps I, I don't I don't even know that exact number, but it's good to have the other ninety eight percent in there just in case. Um, yeah, so that's 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 just my way of thinking about it. I would tend to be on the on the same page as you there. I've always thought if we've got that information there, um, it actually makes coaching simpler because you can you've you've got all that background information that you understand about golf swing, and then you can see it on the swing, and then you can simplify it really quickly for the student in front of you. So no, that's that's really cool. Um, you were up for a PGA prize in two thousand and nineteen for game development. Um, I think that was tied into your junior coaching program, I think. So can you talk me through how you set up your junior programs? Yeah, so I think it was basically halfway through my my final year of my traineeship when I was at uh, Wyndham Golf Club under Matthew King. He kind of said to me, you know, hey, we've got no juniors. Um, I want you to take it over and, and do what you want with it. Um, you know, try your best. So I I went I went about it and just tried to get as many juniors into the club as possible. So I you know to grow the juniors we had we had about three or four in a in a group. That was about all the juniors we had. So started with that and I, I slowly but surely just ran a heap of come and try days every quarter. Sorry, every term. Um, got about forty kids into each each term, and then. Basically, you know, you, you get five out of that 40 book into your program. And over the year, I mean, if you did four of those and you, you got five kids out of every one of them, you had 20. Well, I did that for about two years. I did that for about two, two and a half years. And it finally built to a program that, that now has about 60 kids. So, and and that, that program's been full. It's been at full capacity for the last three years. So, um. For me, it's just about making the game fun. Um, you know, there's there's so many ways to teach kids, um, but I think to keep them in the game, it's just got to be fun. You know, no no junior golfer is going to get good if they leave the game. So my my number one focus with junior golf is just to make it as fun as I can uh, for the kids. And you know, at the end of the day, it's not for everyone. Um, a lot of kids leave, a lot of kids stay, but as long as it's as fun as it can be and they can jump in that car after the after class and you know, mum or dad or grandparents say, how did you, how did you, your golf go? And they said, I, you know, I absolutely loved it. I can't wait for next week. I think that's our job done. Um, whether they're still topping the ball, whether they're still missing the ball, um, obviously there's a, there's a part of that that needs to improve, but my number one is is to jump in that car and and yeah say to mum dad grandparents that they want to come back next week and and they love the game because you know only only a very very small amount of juniors are going to make it um, as a tour player if that's their ambition so we we really need to talk to the ninety nine point nine percent of kids that aren't going to be tour pros who are going to be weekend golfers who are going to be club members. Um, because they're going to be the future of golf clubs. They're going to be the future of Australian golf and and golf throughout the world. So, um, you know, every now and again, you get that kid that you think, hey, this. If you keep going in the game, um, you could you could go quite far. But as as I said at the start of the podcast with with my footy, you know, I was there. I was there for rugby league, and I played it since I was six. Um, I'd made every rep team under the sun, and then I just stopped playing. 
So I, I kind of don't want that to happen to any any aspiring kid that could make um, a living on tour. But they have to stay in the game long enough to make that happen first. Yeah, that's a that's a really cool answer, and it again it just resonates with me because we are we aren't turning out tour players in junior programs. We're turning out the the club golfers. We're turning out the guys that are going we're going to be playing golf for thirty, forty, fifty years down the track, and. I think it's important to get the parents on that same page as well. I'm sure that's a challenge for you too. But even still, because of where golf golfers tend to peak, the the ten year old kid that is a superstar is potentially isn't going to be the the tour player in the future anyway. It's going to be the the kid that's maybe improving at sixteen, seventeen that might turn out to be the really good player. Who knows? But um, yeah, I'm sure you have some challenges with your parents as well. Yeah, I, I, look, at the end of the day, it's, it's the law of averages, right? If you only have to deal with one junior, you're only going to have to deal with one or two parents. So, you know, when you've got 60 in the program, well, you you know, you're talking to 60 dads, you're talking to 60 mums, you're talking to the grandparents. So it is a challenge. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's really important to make sure that everyone's on the same page. Um, but, you know, yeah, the, the, I think, you know, from a parent point of view, all I'd want the parent to do is just be its uh, be the junior's biggest fan. Um, you know, I think I see a lot of, a lot of um, you know, junior tournaments just just so serious out there. And they're, they're only eight, nine, ten-year-olds. And it's just, it's so serious. And it's just like, come on, man. Like, you know, if your kid hits a bad shot, just, that, you know, it's great. It's gone forward. Let's let's just go and grab it. Here's your Gatorade. Have a sip. Here's your chalky bar, and and let's go and chase the ball again. We'll we'll just try again. Um, you know, if if there's some advice I could give to to parents, if you do not want your kid looking back at you when they've hit a golf shot. Um, you know, because they they are then seeking approval. You know, mum, dad, was that shot okay? Are you happy with me? Um, yeah, I think if we can we can just let the kid play. Um, and the parents just you know, stand aside for that shot and, and just don't have the kid look back at you just because they are seeking your approval, that they're, they're looking for your, you know, for what you think. So body language and, and how you say things to, to a junior is so important. Um, you know, but I'm only one person. It's, I'm not going to change the world, but if we can just get, if we can just get a few, few more juniors just having fun out there and not not being so concerned about the, the golf shot they've just hit or or concerned about what what mum dad or grandparents are, are thinking or saying you know because it, it it does you, your junior's going to copy you your child's going to copy you you know they're going to copy your mannerisms they're going to copy your you, you just have to look at what tiger did with with charlie in, in the latest event when he when he caddies for charlie you know i've heard i've heard from multiple people that tiger just Tiger basically just hangs back and lets him lets him play. Now that's that's the, in my opinion, the greatest golfer that's ever played, and he's just allowing his son to to play. And I'm sure when they're at home, they're they're doing their coaching and um, you know they're <clears throat> they're they're putting and they're they're playing competitive games. But when when Charlie's playing, I'm pretty sure that Tiger's just sitting back and and enjoying watching his his son play the game that he he loves and. You know that he's the best at. So, 
Really, really cool advice there. So apart from keeping it fun, which you stressed all the way through that conversation about juniors, is there any other changes you have to your coaching when you're coaching kids as opposed to coaching adults? Um, <clears throat> no, obviously just getting down to the level, speaking their language. Um, and, yeah, again, I think I think with juniors – they they come to golf for a completely different reason than adults. So I think it's important to understand that. And, you know, that's why I kind of go back to, to the lesson T. Don't make it too technical. Try and make it try and make it as, like I said, just as fun as possible and as long as they're having a good time. But, um, yeah, I just talk maybe just a, a different language to them. Um, talk a little I'm, – I'm firm. I'm firm with my juniors, but I'm, I'm, I'm also – I'm not very, yeah. I'm not strict. I, I don't, I don't sit them out all the time. I probably should sit them out a little bit more, um, but I, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's their time after school where they're not having exams. They're not, you know, getting told off by the teacher. So I try and, I just try and make it a place where they want to come and, and see me, and, and I want to see them. So. Cool, awesome. Um, okay, so now you're as as we've spoken about, you're a recent graduate, so you're a young gun out there that's um, blowing up my feed on my social media. Um, you've gone a shift. Your shift. There's a shift in Australian coaching or coaching in general away from the traditional half hour golf lesson models. Um, can you tell me how you set your programs up for your students? Yeah, so look again when you first start, you've you've kind of got to um, you you've got to take every lesson you can, right? I mean, you've got to you got to pay bills and and that kind of stuff. So, but I think what what I've what I've learned over the over the um, over the years is I I started with a group called um, RGX. That was kind of a few years ago, and and they really set me off on kind of the way I run my programs now. So ideally what I like to see, and this is an ideal, this isn't, yeah, I don't do this for everyone, but I'd, I'd like to, but I'd have to say no to so many sessions. So I would love to see a, a player on the golf course, but yeah, just for nine holes before I even, before I even see their golf swing. Um, to me, nine holes on the golf course allows me to see every single part of their game. Um, shows me how they make their, their birdies shows me how do they how they make their their big numbers um, and and every skill. So there's the the decision making, full swing, short game, putting, bunker play, all of that kind of stuff in one session. Whereas obviously if we went through um, you know the, the half hour or the one hour model, it's going to take five to six sessions of me actually seeing what they do, um, which then in turn you know obviously from there they're gonna they're gonna tell me most likely how they how they play golf well i'd rather just see it um so yeah i mean ideally nine holes i, I create a, a plan for them so i make sure that there's a, a, a written plan moving forward um focusing on the, the key areas that they want to um or that we have to focus on based on their goals and their commitment levels their time restraints um financial restraints all that kind of stuff so um, yeah, I, I think, you know, that I'd love to kill off that half hour model. I just think it's so, it's what, like, you just can't do anything in half an hour. And I think that's, to me, it's just not a good way to promote learning the game of golf. 
um, you know, so many people come into the into the shop or into every you know, any shop and say, you know, can I do a half an hour golf lesson? Because they're so used to coming in and and allowing themselves to have a half an hour golf lesson. Heck, some of them I've seen fifteen minute lessons. Like, come on, man, we, we've got to, we've got to do better than that. I think as a as as coaches who want to seriously make a change in in players players games, we've got to do better than than providing. 30 minutes of our time, I think, um, yeah, an hour minimum. Um, yeah, I can't, I don't go into a doctor's surgery and, and say to them, well, I only want, I only want 10 minutes and I'm only going to pay for 10 minutes. It's like, well, you, you go to the doctors and you pay your fee, right? So I think golf coaching would be a lot better off if we could, we could kind of train, um, members or, or anyone taking a, a golf lesson, let's call it, yeah, coaching. Right, let's try and maybe even get rid of the word lesson, um, and actually take a lot more care. And I think I think people want us to 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 take charge. You know, at the end of the day, we are the experts, um, and we can identify where they need to work on their game. And you know, I I've turned a few lessons away and started to turn a lot more away now. If if I get you know, can I get can I get a, a thirty minute driver lesson? I just I just don't do it. I, I just can't do it because I know in my heart of hearts that that's not going to improve the player. Um, at the end of the day, if, if we're not getting results for our player, we're not doing our job. So some might some might argue with that, and and I know there's the other side, and we're saying you know someone might just want to come and, and have a chat, um, and that's cool. But I I just don't do it that way. Um, so yeah. Oh, that's cool, and we can if we can get a bit of chat going on social media about that. That'll be that'd be cool as well. So you can certainly hit the Coaching Uncovered podcast socials up, and we can start a bit of a chat going. But if you're in a situation as a coach where you can afford to turn those students away and just attract the students that you want, that has to be a positive. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, but in saying that, I think you know we take the half an hour golf lesson at the start. To make you know, to make money or to to yeah to to have something coming through our, our our bank accounts and I think you know that's what's yeah that's why it's probably never going to go because it's 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 there it's in front of us um, but if you really ask the the coach the question and said look do do you think that half an hour or fifteen minutes is good for the customer for longevity of getting better at this game I, to me a hundred percent of them should say should say no you, you need more time you need to take more care and you know i think we've over time we've just trained the the student to come in and say can i book in for a lesson and say oh yeah for an hour no no half an hour you know that's that's just that's just what's always been done so obviously that's going to be very very difficult to change but um it, it, yeah i mean it it is nice to be in a position to turn that stuff away um but I don't. I don't do it lightly. I just do it if I feel that it's not beneficial for for the for the student in front of me. So, yeah, no, that's that's good. Now, a challenge for coaches as well, especially for young coaches out there. They all have trouble, or I've certainly had trouble early in my coaching career, is getting those clients to come back um, and come back promptly as opposed to coming back in six weeks time when you end up fixing the same thing um again so what have you put into place to get those clients to come back 
why well, we just spoke about it, right? Creating a plan for them. Um, so again, I mean, when someone walks through the door, if they're looking for a half an hour driver lesson, you give them the half an hour driver lesson and they, they get their, they get what they wanted out of it. And, you know, I'm felt, unfortunately that, you know, starting to now, um, with the likes of, you know, John Dunnigan and, and, and Will Wu, uh, sorry, Dr. Will Wu, who's, you know, really high end in, in motor learning. And, and I think that's a, that's a big part of where coaching needs to go is education. Um, you know, educating the player that look let's work on your your driver swing for half an hour that's cool but look at the end of the day you've got a you've got a you've got a saturday morning tea time in in 12 hours time and and you're going to now try and do this on the golf course it's just not going to happen it's it's not going to happen you you cannot change a movement pattern that quickly um you know (laughs) If you try and brush your teeth with your left hand tonight or, or tomorrow morning, how long are you going to do that for before it becomes just a pain in the backside and uncomfortable? So you switch back over to your right hand, um, and that's 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 what changing a movement's like. It it is you know it can be painful, um, and it it just it takes time. It takes a lot of time. You look at you know Faldo and, and Tiger and the amount of swing changes. Um, you know, Tigers made and, and the, the swing change that Feldo made, he worked for two years, um, two years nonstop. And, and you know, that's why I say the educational part of things has to be, uh, you know, the highest priority because to get that student coming back, they need to understand that in a month's time, you everything we've just worked on is going to be gone because, you know, as a, as a coach, I need to check up on you. I need to make sure that you're doing the right drills. I need to short, need to make sure that you haven't overdone the drills that I've prescribed, uh, which has happened a lot to me as well. It's I don't see a student for a month due to work and stuff, and they've gone completely the other way. You, you turned a slicer into a massive hooker of the golf ball, um, and now you've got to go back to a back to the slice movement uh, almost. But you've got to explain to them that this is the way we've got to move because yeah, you you learn so quickly that. Hey, you know, let's not leave it a month next time. I want to see you next week. Um, but again, it's it's just the educational part, and I think yeah, the more we accept those those quick fix, should we call them lessons, the more we're not educating that player on what it actually takes to improve, which is what they want at the end of the day. They want to improve. They are coming to us to improve their game, and we are we are the professionals. We are the the, the leaders in that, and we should be setting the plan for them. Not, not them deciding when they should see us, um, because that, they don't know, and nor should they know. You know, that's that's why we're we're coaches. No, that's awesome. You dropped a few people into that conversation that are on my hit list to get on the podcast. So we're in chats with John at the moment to try and get him on. And we've tried to schedule a couple of times, but it keeps falling through at the moment. But um, we'll get him on and certainly going to get uh, Mr. Robbins on as well. He's um, we're just tying down some time with him. He's a very busy man. He's hard to hard to find yeah. a free hour and have a chat with him. So That's right. we'll hopefully get those guys on the podcast soon. Um, you have a, a pretty significant presence online um, with regards to coaching and social media. Let's talk about the online coaching first. How does that fit into your into your coaching at the moment? Yeah, look, I mean, the online stuff I'd like to do more of. Um, yeah, I, I, a few sessions with, with some um, guys in the states which has been awesome and 
um, yeah, it's a, it's a real learning curve. And, and Steve Giuliano has been a, a big part of that for me. I've been peppering him with with questions because he's one of the best at it. Um, but I think I think online is 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 you know, it's underrated. It it can be such a valuable piece of of coaching. Um, you know, exactly what we just spoke about about the you're know, leaving a student for a month to work on the on the drills that we've pres- uh, prescribed. But why not set up a program where you 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 do your face to face lesson with that student, and you know they have the they also have the ability to video their swing and send it to you. So. I use, uh, like probably a lot of coaches, I use Coach Now for all my student reviews. And you know, I say to all my students, you are more than welcome to send through your uh, your swings and, and, and video them. And I'll, I'll get back to you on that because that's a part of the part of the coaching. And you, your responsibility is your coaching session is not over just because they've left, left your your lesson tee. Um, yeah, so I've got a, I've got a lot of students that use Coach Now and. They send me their swings, and and I can then say, hey, we're we're you know we're, we're not doing that enough, or just make sure you're not doing this, or yeah, everything's on track. Even just even just a positive, you know, hey, it, it looks good. Like that that's sometimes all they need. But I'd rather that than go a month without talking to them. And um, that's obviously how you keep the relationship going as well. So, um, but uh, you know, the social media side of things, that's how, yeah, that's how. People are going to social media first nowadays. That's that's how they go and that's how they go and look for you. So that you know, social media is a, a, a big part of of obviously any any coaching business now. Um, yeah, we, we've got to showcase what we're about, how we do things, um, so that students, you know, when they have a session with us, they kind of already know us. They already feel that they know how we operate, how we talk, the language we use. Um, you know, obviously. There's part of the business sense of trying to grow your business. You know, obviously, um, yeah, I, I see, I see so many, um, you know, swing tips and stuff like that on 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 social media. And while that's great, uh, yeah, there's a, a massive business side of things there. As yeah, we want people to see that and to say that, um, yeah, hey, I like how that guy talks and I like his language and I'm, I'm going to go and get a lesson from that person. So. Yeah, and it's just just quickly on the on the on the online coaching, I'm seeing more and more coaches going down the subscription based idea. So they they're getting out there and they're they're charging a certain fee per month for them to for students to be able to send through golf swings and stuff. Is that something that you do or have thought about doing on top of the? So they come for your, their coaching session, then you charge them a, a certain fee per month to be able to send swings to you. Yeah, so it's it's a hard one, right? Because you know, with with the use of coach now, like I, I've always said to my players, like you get the the coaching session face to face, and then you you have the ability to send swings. Like that's you know, um, but there's there's definitely a, a you know, model out there that you can do that with, um, you know, from a coaching point of view, and um, your yeah, skillist is probably the the the, the best one out there. Um, that I've used for for online um, coach. Now I would say I, I use that for mainly for for student um, follow ups, things like that. But you know, Skillist is a really good platform to to have obviously students from outside of Australia, um, you know, to, to to see you for coaching, and um, it's very easy to use. They sort all your payments out for you, and that's that's the easiest way, um, in, in my opinion, because. 
you know, they've got the monthly subscriptions all set up there and it all goes through them and um, it's students safe, I'm safe um, and we, yeah, we get to work that way. But there's definitely a way to do it. Yeah, I, I just I just offer it to my students as a as an add-on to say, look, yeah, after the session, you're more than welcome. Um, to be fair, 90% don't, 90% don't use it. So, um, yeah, it, it is what it is. It's there for them to use. Um, so, yeah. No, that's cool. Um, okay, so promotion as a as a as a coach, you said you 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 said a comment about social media. People are going there first to find coaches, and you feel like they've they get a general feel for how you go about it before they see you. Um, what type of content are you putting out there, and how do you determine what's the best type of content to put out there? Uh, look, I, I've, I'll be honest. I've got to do a better job of it. Um, I, I don't consider, to be fair, like your comment of I blow up your social media. I don't actually feel like I do that much on it, um, you know, compared to some other coaches. But I think I just go about it a little bit differently. I don't, I don't really want to put the swing tip stuff up there. It's not me. I don't. Everyone's so individual that you know. To in my opinion, just putting a swing there. Every every floor in golf is already on the internet. Like at the end of the day, you go you go search YouTube and it's all there. I don't have to do it because it's already all there. Um, what I would be doing from by doing it is just trying to get people to follow me instead of someone else. Um, so for me, I, I I don't really want to do that because you know I'm doing that more for me rather than than the other way around. I would much rather the the, the student learned from me rather than um, you know, g- giving giving some advice. I've never seen the golf swing of, of that person watching watching my video, so you know I could I could be hurting their game like like there's no tomorrow. I, I you know they could go out on Saturday and try what I did and uh, or try try what I was saying in my video and and just ruin them. Um, I could also hit a home run and someone could play their best game and and I get all the you know, the praise on the internet and. And that, but I can also, yeah, be a part of part of that cult that just just <laughs> ruins a golfer by, you know, by looking at a video. And I think we've already got enough of that out there. Um, so I'm, I just don't want to do it. It's it, and I, to be fair, it's so much work. So I, I applaud any coach that does do that. It's to video, to to edit, to put good graphics on, which is what you're going to have to do now. You know, sound and graphics are huge. Um, there's already and you know the guys that are already doing all of that very very well and they have you know multiple staff doing all of that for them so it's very hard to compete that way so i just try and put out um real content um you know truthful content um you you get some followers from it you get some haters from it um but i just try and be try and be real and and you know (laughs) that's what it is so no, that's cool. I haven't got, haven't got any problem with that whatsoever, and I probably tend to go down the same type of path. Is you, it's hard to put tips out there because, as you said, they just don't apply to everybody. You need to specialise it. So, um, I'm planning on getting my YouTube channel up a bit more this year as well, and um, I'll be putting out more like generic practice type tips, games, and things like that. People can play as opposed to putting how to fix your slice videos up. Yeah, and I think I think that um, that what you just said there is perfect. You know, that there's there's swing tips, and then there's there's also um, you know content that can help everybody. You know, a putting drill that can help everybody, um, a putting game, a putting challenge, or you know, 
something that doesn't talk about you how to fix something because at the end of the day you just don't know who's watching in front of you so you don't know if you're helping or hurting them but giving them a performance drill for for chipping or for for putting or for short game or whatever it might be that can help everyone because then you can target um you can target their skill level you change the score or you change the difficulty all that kind of stuff um you know which which i think that's there's a there's an opportunity there to put that stuff out so i'm sure there's already that stuff out there anyway so yeah for sure but um yeah no it's all good um again ryan thank you so much for your time today we've got a few questions i'd like to ask everybody so we're going to throw those at you now it's gone from four to five so i don't know whether you tuned into the podcast last year but we had a fast four it's turned into a fast five this year so i think you're the, the third guinea pig on the um on the fast five this year so the first question is any tips for young coaches starting out out there what advice would you give to them starting out um look learn as much as you can um learn as much as you can shadow coaches go go and ask coaches to if you if you can go and watch them um again whether you agree with a coach or not go and watch them and see if you can you'll always pick up something um there's always one thing you'll pick up i I, i've never you know, studied a goal, uh, a course, or or watched a coach, and not got anything out of it. So, um, yeah, take notes. Um, you know, when we write things down, we remember it. We can go back over those notes. Um, we retain it a lot more. Be patient. <laughs> something I'm not. It's probably something I have to work on. I want everything yesterday. Um, yeah, I'd I'd love to be 30 years into a coaching career at 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 my current five years. Um, you know, so patience, if there's one thing, that's probably the biggest thing for me is, you know, I'd, I'd love a bit more patience for myself. So, um, cause you're going to be doing it for the next 30 to 40 years. So there's plenty to learn and heck, whatever I know now could be thrown out the door in, in 10 years time. There might be new techniques that I have to learn all over again. So, um, but yeah, so learn as much as you can and just, just be a sponge. No, that's pretty cool advice, and it's something that seems to pop up quite often on the podcast when I ask that question. So, I think that that is great advice. Because um, again, it's so easy to find information these days. You don't have to go to the range and watch coaches. Back when I was going through and um, building on my skills, it was a question of going and seeing someone in person. But these days, you can find people coaching online so easily. It's um, you got zero excuse these days. So hopefully there's a few players tuning into the podcast as well. So have you got any tips for, for golfers out there? We just spoke about uh, we shouldn't give tips out, but any uh, any hints for golfers how to improve their game? Yeah, so, I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, my big thing is that don't, don't buy into you know, all, all the swing tips. Uh, to be fair, I think that's one of the, one of the hardest things to – to, to do is, is, you know, if, if you're struggling, don't, don't go onto, onto the internet and try and find a solution because once again, motor learning doesn't work like that. You can't just at a flick of a switch, just change your movement. It just, you're going to have to learn, um, you yeah, how to practice effectively is, is a huge one. So, um, yeah, I, and I, as a coach, like if, if, if I go onto you, which I don't, but if, if I was to go onto YouTube and, and go and search a drill, for example, um, I'd be able to apply that a little bit more than than a, a golfer who's who's playing the game because I 
kind of got a little bit more of, of you know, a little bit more knowledge of how to practice that you know obviously the stages of learning and and how to make movement movement changes but um uh you know to, to be you know um to improve look go and go and see someone and and when i say go and see someone um it um you know go and search search for the best coaches that are out there um you know for me you know the reason why the best coaches are the best coaches is because they've got the best results so they've got a proven record of, of how to make players better but I, w- I would say that the biggest thing is that don't don't go online and search for your problems on there. Go and get yourself a, a good golf coach that that knows what they're talking about and can help you with your own personal problems. Because at the end of the day, we're all living different lives. We've all got different bodies. We all move differently. We all think differently. So I, I would say go and search for a professional to help you. Um, you know going at a playing session um if you've got limited time i think this is one of the biggest things with 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 golfers you know what's a typical golfer right works monday to friday nine to five wife and kids at home doesn't have time to practice or play yet the first thing they come to a lesson is i want to fix my swing you know let's be honest here it's not it's you're going to have to work hard to, to to fix up or to work on any flaws that you have in your golf swing. Uh, you know, the golf swing is the hardest thing to change. You can improve your, your chipping, your pitching, your putting. You can improve all your short game aspects, you know, not quickly, but you can definitely improve that a lot easier than you can a full swing. So going into a playing session, focus on, you know, playing the golf course with what you've got. Um, you know, understand how far you, you hit your clubs. Um, yeah, the amount of players that I've I've worked with in the past that have no idea how far their clubs go. Um, yeah, that's a that's a big one there. Obviously, have a range finder uh, ideally as well. So you actually, if you do know how far your clubs go, you know how far you've got to the target. Um, yeah, I think that's where both players can improve, and I think that's where coaches can can do better. And again, it comes back to, you know, if I was doing a, my first session with someone, it's these are the questions I ask is. What's your time? Yeah, have you got any time to, to play a practice? Yeah, no, I don't. Oh, we, let's get off this range because this is the last place we need to be. You know, no, that, that that completely makes sense as well. So awesome, awesome answer there. So uh, anything you would change in your career so far, apart from having to be slowly going through it as opposed to jumping twenty years in advance? Um, is there anything that you would change in how you've gone about it so far? No, no, I wouldn't. No, I think you know. Uh, yeah, I know it's a question, but like we can't change it anyway. So, the, the only thing I would say that I, I maybe wish I had done, given the COVID situation, was travelled um, to the states to shadow a few coaches um, early on. Um, now that I look back, but uh, yeah, I was obviously too focused in trying to grow uh, my 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 coaching diary and and fill up my days. So, but yeah, if I if I had six months over again i would definitely try and go um overseas and, and shadow a few coaches um but apart from that no I, everything i've i've learned you know from up to this day has been has been what i've done and and that's yeah i wouldn't have it any other way 
completely acceptable answer. I, I I always ask that question because I would change so many things as well. As a coach, I would do so many things differently. Um, but I've been floating through the system a bit longer than you have. So um, i got a few things I would have changed early on. So that's why I asked that question. Um, where do you see yourself in five years' time? So what are the long-term goals? You can talk answer it from a personal perspective or from a coaching point of view or for both if you like so five years time where are you and where is coaching well i mean if you know if if you had said where i'd be today when i first started in five years you'd, you'd yeah i'd be where i am today um yeah i i, I don't i completely don't know you know when i was thinking about this question i really don't know um you know the, the golf industry can change at the at the drop of a hat so an opportunity may come up in, in another country or uh, you know, anywhere, an opportunity can come up anywhere. So I really don't know. But what I do know is I'll I'll be continuing what I've been doing for the past five years and, and just being a, being a sponge and, um, you know, hopefully when COVID finishes or if it finishes, we can we can kind of get over, get overseas and, and I'll definitely go and shadow some coaches and, um, you know, you never know what that leads to either. Um, so, you know, I, I, I've only just, in the last year and a half, two years, figured out what I what I want to teach, how I want to teach, and who I want to teach. So, um, yeah, again, yeah, five years down the track, it, it could be completely different as well. But um, yeah, I, I'd I'd love to I'd love to own an academy. I'd love to own a, a facility where you know I could I could you know, not employ, but have other coaches there with with me. Um, yeah, I, th- I think a team of coaches would be amazing. I, I'd really I'd really enjoy talking. To other coaches and, and bouncing ideas off them, and you know, having having lunch with a bunch of coaches and just yeah, seeing what's happening for the week, and just holding everyone, including myself, accountable to, to achieving your own personal goals and business goals. And um, you know, it's it's a hard game out here on your own. You know, when you're a when you're a sole trader, it's 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 pretty difficult. You you have days where you're just like, what what am I doing? Like, you know, and then you have days which are really good and. Um, yeah, I just think a, a good team around you, and and perhaps yeah, a, a little facility or an academy where where yeah, we have multiple coaches doing doing what they love to do. You know, sounds good. Sounds good. Um, so this this last question is a question that I I get asked all the time. So I thought, what's the easiest way to find the answer is to ask the guys that are on my, on my podcast. So sources of information as a coach so where do you go to to source coaching information to source golf swing information where are your go-to places well my go-to place um it's funny when i first started um i i I hated social media i I didn't want it i didn't have it um i just i didn't like what it does to people you know everyone's stuck on their phone everyone's looking down everyone's obsessed with it and i refuse to get it and yeah, I became a coach and realized, well, I'm going to have to start start promoting my own business. So um, <laughs> I got social media and I become one of those people with my head on my phones. And um, But that, that's where I have got you know, my sources of, of information. I've, I've followed um, you know, coaches throughout the years and, and then from there I, I see something that I like and I follow who they're following. And then, yeah, find out that they've got a course online. So I jump at that. And um, again, it goes back to the kind of the first few questions we were talking about was you start to find out who you believe in, um, who you think is correct. And 
what you've if you've heard it over and over and over well then obviously that's the way to that's the way to go about yeah hitting the low spinning shot so um that's where i get my sources of information i i you know i ring coaches on my way home i've got a 45 minute drive home and i just i'm just a pain on the phone to other coaches they're having dinner i'm like hey you want to chat like let's chat about something i've got you know i've got this in place and had this student today and what do you do with them and um yeah that i just just a never-ending uh, search for, for for different coaches and different you know different ways of doing things and like i said you'll you'll keep some of it and you'll throw you'll throw most of it out but um you, you'll soon find who you want to follow who you believe in and and the way you want to do things so yeah like it I like it a lot. So where can people find you if they do want to hunt you down for some more information or to check out what you're doing? What are your, your social handles? What, where's your site? What's the, how's the, what's the, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah. So, uh, Facebook, uh, I think it's Ryan Moke golf. Um, Instagram is, is at Ryan Moke golf and my website's nearly done. Actually, I've got, um, a, a good friend of mine doing, doing up my website so that's going to be good so i think that's just going to be www.rymokgolf.com.au so um, everything will be on there and um, you'll probably see um yeah <laughs> half my followers follow me for golf and half of them follow follow me from for my dog's antics so um you'll probably see a, a fair bit of my siberian husky rolling around at the beach and he's a he's a maniac so um yeah if you if you don't want to watch a siberian husky be an idiot um probably leave instagram alone but um <laughs> I'm, I'm all over it so it's it's all there and um yeah just try and try and help as many people as i can through that no that's cool ryan thank you so much for your time tonight i really appreciate it um hopefully this COVID thing will go away soon we can catch up in person as opposed to doing it over the internet but um i certainly appreciate you coming in and having a chat with me today no, I appreciate it, Brent. Um, yeah, I've I've listened to basically all your all your guests on the podcast, and it's um, yeah, like I said, forty five minute drive home, and I've I've I get no one answering the phone when I ring anymore. That they all know I'm calling because I'm driving home, so I chuck on a podcast instead. And um, yeah, I'm always always listening to to you, you and and other coaches. And um, yeah, like I said, if anyone else wants um any any help whatsoever with their coaching business. Um, yeah, I don't claim to know everything and I, I definitely don't know everything, but um, if I can help in any way, I'm more than happy.